0: This this is Sports Talk Mississippi on your radio and in the game right here on Super Talk Mississippi.
1: Good Wednesday afternoon, Sports Talk Mississippi streaming live at supertalk.fm. Back from a short little break. Took a couple of days off for Christmas, and just like that, that's over. I mean, you blink and football season's over. I don't know what is faster than a blink, but that's what Christmas was. It came and it went, and now we're right back on our regular schedule. No more days off for the rest of the year and the, begin- and the beginning of next year. This show will run all through New Year's as well. Michael Borky here with you. Richard Cross is off this afternoon. Got both of the Bryans with me as well all afternoon. The Dream Team, as Haydad likes to say, we're, we're glad to be with you and getting ready for bowl games. We already had one today get canceled, which is a rarity, and we'll talk about that a little bit more later. A couple more going on this afternoon and basically for the rest of the bowl season. Guys, before we get into the sports stuff, was Santa good to you? Yeah, Absolutely. I got a sweet Saints
0: polo for us to wear, for me to wear. We could probably both fit in uh, It's big, as you can guess. But uh, when we go cover the Super Bowl, I'll, I'll be I'll be rocking that new Saints polo.
1: But go ahead and apply for credentials on that one. It's, you didn't already do it; it should be done. See, but the thing is, I don't know if I want to go. Okay, I want to go to a Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Being at a Super Bowl would be awesome. But if the Saints are in the Super Bowl. I don't want to have to sit sober in a quiet press box to do it. I hear you. I hear you. But but this is this is the economical plan. I just don't know if I'd be able to contain myself. Because I wouldn't be there for work. Like, if if NOLA.com wanted me to be their beat writer, I could turn it off and, and sit there and work and function. But if I'm just getting credentials to watch
2: the game from any vantage point, I don't know if I could hold it in. That would be tough well, that, up there. Like, it would be difficult. It's like sitting on, like particularly, like like if you have a like the Saints. So many people down here have like such an emotional investment in it. Like that'd be. T- Imagine during a Super Bowl sitting on your hands the entire time and ha- not being allowed to react. Yeah.
1: What was that contest? It was a couple years ago. Seahawks fans. I think it was Cheez It that put it on. It was a group of Seahawks fans, and they had to watch the the Super Bowl where they lost to the Patriots in complete silence. The only sound that could be made is like when they were eating food. They had, I can't remember if it was Cheez-Its or Doritos. Anyway, there, there was money on the line, and they made it all the way until the fourth quarter dead silent. I mean, they could stand up and fist pump and stuff, couldn't make a sound, but made it until the end when the interception was thrown and they lost the contest there. So, they, so not only did their team lose the Super Bowl, but they lost the
0: contest on the last play of the game. <laughs> yeah, that is brutality
1: at got, its finest. I've got to find it somewhere. But yeah, uh, i had
0: never heard of that.
2: Rippy was Santa good to you. He was. I uh, I got some new golf shirts. I got a new phone. That was nice. That was much. Needed. That is nice. Yeah. I was I was a little rough on my last phone. Um, so that's nice. I still don't. I got it like activated. I still not quite sure how to work this no home button thing. But I'm I'm. I'm working on it. The facial recognition kind of freaks me out, too. I'm not sure how I feel about that.
1: That will be how we pay for stuff within, like, five years. Yep.
2: I don't like that. The cloud is, like, watching me.
1: The movie Minority Report, have you ever seen that movie, either of you? I don't yes. think so. It's a Tom Cruise it's, it's, movie. It's a little ahead of its time. We're approaching Minority Report levels of Everything. Like, they have self-driving cars where people are just, like, sitting in their vehicle, like, drinking wine together, and your, your eyes are what does everything for you. And so he gets, like, an eye transplant so he can go undetected. It's one of those kind of movies, like, hundreds of years in the future, but they were on to something. I'd like to get an eye transplant just so I could see things. <laughs> I, I can't see anything. Don't know if that's possible just yet. Maybe maybe so. Maybe if uh, you get a completely different career path. Yeah. Somewhere <laughs> along the way. So here are the things we're going to try to get to this afternoon. We have not been live since Friday, so a lot of stuff has happened between then and now. First of all, most importantly, the Saints beat the Steelers on Sunday. They lock up home field throughout the playoffs Teddy Bridgewater will get his first big-time action this coming Sunday. They can cruise for the next two weeks getting ready for the playoffs. Uh, I will tell you exactly why Drew Brees should be the MVP, objectively speaking, with no emotion involved. We'll go through the rest of the NFL slate in the playoff picture. Uh, Justin Herbert, what was probably going to be the number 1 quarterback taken in this year's draft, has for some reason decided to stay in school. We'll get into some bowl prep stuff for Mississippi State. We'll ease our way into that. We're still six days out uh, from Mississippi State's bowl game against Iowa. Key players, multiple key players, are suspended for the college football playoff for multiple schools. Kyler Murray apparently is sick. Bowl games got back started today, as I mentioned. One of them even got canceled because of storms in the Dallas area. First time in a long time that that has happened. We've got winners and losers coming up. Dawson Knox is declared for the NFL. LeBron James had a scary injury in the NBA front last night, but it turns out he is going to be just fine. A couple of LSU players were involved in a scary situation and a lot more coming your way. That's a loaded show we've got for you this afternoon. Hopefully we can get it all in in three hours. I feel feel pretty confident we can make it work. We'll go down swinging if we don't. Yeah, if not, we'll we'll, we'll we'll take it to the final second. And we'll do this in the 5 o'clock hour. I just, my mind was blown about the Justin Herbert announcement. We'll have a completely different audience then, so we won't be a broken record. I cannot believe – I don't care how much you love your school. I'm sure he loves Oregon, but it's a great place. Never been. Probably a really cool place to go to college, I'm sure. The outs and zoos and an incredible atmosphere, and you've got the best facilities in the country – But why, if you are a first-round pick, this isn't Shea Patterson deciding to stay at Michigan. He'd have been a late-rounder at best. This is the first quarterback off the board deciding to risk another year of free
2: football in college. In a weak year for quarterbacks, right? Like, next year, presumably, I don't have the list in front of me of who's eligible to go, but... It's going to be more competition, right? My first reaction to this was this really good day for to be Dwayne Haskins, right? Yeah. Oh, he's the first,
1: yeah. he's number one now. Done, and he has yeah. yet to declare. Is yeah? I mean, you're you're right,
0: Rippy. The next year, just off the top of your head, Tua and Frommer in that draft. Yeah, those were the first two that came to mind when Jacob I was thinking Eason about it.
1: Randomly, will be eligible. He would be eligible. Yeah. So why? I don't understand it. Yeah. It's either. It's either they're letting the kid just make the choice that he wants to make and maybe in his mind he's like, hey, look, college is fun. I'm going to be here for another year. But if this is advice from a potential agent or somebody like that, it's really bad advice. Well, they were talking about him being potentially the first pick in the draft, never mind the first quarterback. Generational money, money that will change your grandchildren's life, he has said no to and And is deciding to go to college again. this isn't, uh,
0: you know. Let's say this was Tua, right? Let's say Tua was eligible to come out this year, and he's like, "No, I want to go. I want to go another year." You can at least say, "Well, he's coming back to win another national title." There's Oregon's not winning the national title next year. You're not. You're not coming back for anything. Team, you know. There's no team goal, next year. I mean, maybe you can win the Pac-12, I guess. Get yourself into the playoff, into the Rose Bowl. That would be nice. But you're not. You're not winning a national title at Oregon. So, you, you, what are you doing? If this is a decision that,
1: to me, on the surface, makes very, very little sense. I'm sure the coaches want him back, but if you're Mario Cristobal, aren't you saying, hey, buddy, go? One, because it looks really good for my program, having the number one overall pick, but I love you as a player. Go make your money. Leave this. All it takes is one game. All it takes yeah. is one play. That's why guys are skipping bowl games, which... Sometimes it could be a game. It can be a practice. Anything. He is healthy
2: away from making tens of millions of dollars. Yeah, it's not even just. I mean, I certainly agree, but it's not even just a health thing, right? Like from a consequences standpoint, it has a very Matt Leinart feel to it, right? Because he didn't even really get hurt, but he cost himself money, and then you know things never really panned out. His position can't get better, right? So right. Yeah, I I don't know. It's interesting. In a year where, like we were talking about, you don't have much competition, and it's turned into a year where more teams seemingly need quarterbacks than originally thought.
1: Yeah. yeah. So we'll get into that uh, a little bit later on. We'll look at the quarterbacks that are eligible in this year's draft, who we think's is going to go where. Wes, uh, will in Batesville, excuse me, texts in and mentions the St. Steelers game. We will get into that a little bit uh, later on in the show, and – uh We do get another text here, don't have a name attached to it, that says, believe it or not, money's not the number one motivator for all humans. Yeah, that's very noble. It's very noble. But that's coming from someone that has never been faced with the decision that can alter the lives of your children's children's children. It's easy to say, I would never skip a bowl game and, and... That's quitting on your team when you've never been faced with a decision that would give you tens of millions of dollars like that. A bowl game skipped a bowl game today. So, yeah. (laughs) But I'm glad you're engaging with us. Feel free to disagree. We'd love to have you. 601-879-4395. That's the C Spire text line. Send us your text. We'll do some headlines next. Get into some Mississippi State Bowl prep. And to Will in Batesville's question, We will go into the Saints and Steelers. All coming up at Sports Talk in the Renaissance Bank Studio.
2: I've been waiting my whole life for this.
1: Don't touch that dial! Here on Super Talk Mississippi.
2: You can run on for a long time. Our friend Adam
1: on Twitter has a hard time time. with context. He says, so it's okay to disagree with someone staying in school when they'd be a high draft pick, but I call people out on Twitter for disagreeing and telling Knox how crazy he is, in parentheses, which he is for leaving early. Makes sense. Here's the thing, Adam. I didn't call out people for disagree with the decision. You're free to disagree with that decision all you want to. There are some people, even draft analysts, that will say that Dawson Knox maybe left a year early. I think he was underusing in the offense, and it, now's as good a time as ever if some draft analysts are right and they're going to bypass and, and look beyond the production and realize that he's an NFL prospect. What I was calling out on Twitter, Adam, was the people that were sending messages directly to Dawson Knox telling him how stupid he was. That's not okay. That is a problem. Directly going after a kid and telling him, you're not going to get drafted, bad decision, that's a problem. Anonymously as well. Anonymously. That's a problem. I mean, Michael Borky is on the air. Yeah. His name is Michael Borky. And you can find me in a lot of different ways. I think, personally, Justin Herbert made a bad decision. That's just my opinion. I'm not going to go attack him anonymously for doing that, it's his choice. He's free to do what he wants. If he'd rather stay at Oregon, good for him. If Dawson Knox wants to try his hand at the NFL, good for him. But to attack these kids anonymously is a problem. That's what I was calling out, Adam. And thank you for engaging with the show this afternoon. Just try to provide a little context with your input. Is all I'm asking. We'll get into the Dawson Knox stuff a little bit later, though. Let's get into some headlines. There was one that probably had Heydad shook up last night. The biggest headline in the sports world last night was LeBron James going down with an injury. He said after the game that he heard a pop. Luckily, whatever he heard was not a pop. He got an MRI today. He is day to day with. I guess it was a was it a groin injury? Yeah, um, mild groin strain. Mild groin strain. But when he used the phrase "pop." Last night, people were extremely worried, and when you're talking about a muscle injury and you hear a pop, that's a bad thing, but it turns out everybody uh, can take a big, deep breath. LeBron James will continue to play for the Lakers. He's going to miss their game against Sacramento, I think that's tomorrow, Hey, Hayden? Tomorrow, yes, that's uh, correct. And then otherwise, we'll be day-to-day. Right. Turns yeah, out. so last night, you know, full disclosure, I went to the movies last night, took my,
0: my oldest daughter to see Aquaman, and... uh so I get home and I check Twitter, and the first thing I see is Lakers have defeated the Warriors. So I'm immediately like, yes, you know, I'm excited. I'm tweeting out Smack Talk. Then I scroll down a little further and I was like, oh no. Oh, he, he's hurt. Oh no. And, uh, but like you said, it looks like it's, it's a groin strain and it's going to be uh, a day to day kind of thing, and, and he should be all right
2: and probably going to miss a few games, you know, but. Doesn't it's okay. help that he's very dramatic. Like, he's very dramatic whenever he gets any sort of contact. I will not have you uh, disparage LeBron James here on the show. I I like LeBron James. I think he's fine. I think he's great. But he's very dramatic. And when he suffers (laughs) a mild groin strain and says, I felt something pop, well, that will cause a freak I I will
0: tell you, as a person who uh, suffered a mild groin strain back during his uh, glory days of high school, that to this day I can feel a pop every now and then. If If I sit down for too long, when I stand up, I, hear, I I can feel a pop down there. So I mean, I don't think he's he's exaggerating too much. It, when when you get injured down there, you will feel a pop sometimes.
2: Not that him getting hurt was a good thing, but that could turn out to be a win that is good for that young team because he goes out in the third quarter and they played really really well together in the hammered, fourth quarter and beat Oklahoma State. Yeah, I, excuse me, beat Golden State very very badly and for it I've watched like the six or seven Laker games in the past. I would say, month or so just for various reasons and lack of other things being on TV. And a lot of times it seems like they, some of these guys lack a little bit of confidence. With LeBron, you know, he kind of goes to the media and says that he's already kind of fed up with things even though the team's playing well. And that could be a win on Christmas night at Golden State, a win that kind of kind of really gives them a boost going forward. Is there I something agree. wrong with Golden State? No, it's just the lull of a long, monotonous NBA season after you've won... Yeah you know, that many titles. I, they're still the best team, and when the games matter in April and in May, they will still be the best team. This
1: Correct. is this is really bad to say, but I'm going to say it anyway. The DeMarcus Cousins returning from injury, making Draymond Green obsolete, is going to be very enjoyable for me to watch.
2: Draymond Green is already the most expendable player in that rotation. In starting lineup, I guess. I, I, I should guess he's not below the bench, guys. But yeah, no, I, I certainly agree. And I think... Boogie Cousins will make better decisions on the offensive end because as good as Draymond is defensively, he messes up a lot of what they do offensively with taking bad shots. And, and, and he, <laughs> yeah,
1: Have you seen the screen grabs from the game yes. uh, last night? How much they're sagging off of him, yeah. Yeah, the Lakers chose... If he had the ball behind the three-point line, nobody even looked at him. It was just, Draymond, please, we would love for you to
2: shoot this ball, and he did. And what started the feud a couple weeks ago, him... You know, calling out Kevin the, Durant of all After taking the ball coast-to-coast coast when you you know, you know get a <laughs> rebound, you're trying to win the game, you get the ball in Kevin Durant's hands, and he tries to make a play himself, and it just went horribly wrong. So, yeah, I mean, that would be interesting. When, when Boogie does come back, what does Draymond's role become, and how does he handle that? Because something tells me it may not be very well. He doesn't strike me as the type that can handle that kind of situation very well. Let's hope. Because if Boogie's back and healthy— He's useless. And it's a very, it's an interesting dynamic because in a way he's kind of, uh, he's the way one that's kind of kept the team together. And he went and got Durant and was like, look, we need you to make this whole thing better while he's kind of the most expendable guy on the team. It's a super interesting dynamic they have going on out there. What is
1: the phrase? You either die a hero or
2: live long enough to see yourself become the enemy? The villain. The villain. Close enough. He doesn't get that technical. They're probably on the verge of winning five straight titles.
1: I just hope it blows up after this year. I think it it probably is. Yeah, Durant's gone. Durant's gone, and I mean,
2: at some point these guys are going to go take max money elsewhere, right? You would think, but Clay's personality is a little different, and Steph Curry kind of is that franchise. What would be interesting to me is if can they win? And I think the answer is yes. Can they win one after Durant leaves? I still think they're good enough to win one. Probably so, unless. The Pelicans trade Anthony Davis to the Lakers, and then that becomes your new dynasty in the West. Durant leaving will just rebalance it out. He created a competitive imbalance when he went there, and it'll just make it more, and the NBA desperately needs parity, and it'll make it more balanced when he leaves.
1: Yep, for sure. Uh, Flipping the page to the NFL, the Patriots are not playing like themselves, even though they're probably still going to win their division and get a bye. They still have five losses, and Tom Brady has no plans to stop playing after this year, despite... What looks like a regression? He said he believes he will. He know he's he's talked about it for a long time. He has goals not only to play next year but beyond. Blah blah blah. But his contract expires after the 2019 season. Do you think that Tom Brady, after 2019, just like Drew Brees, after 2019, their their contracts are done? Do you think that means they're done? No, no.
0: Now is Brees is gonna he'll be he'll still be around and brady is such an interesting guy to me like just from i don't feel like anybody really knows tom brady you know like with breeze you get the feeling that's a guy that i could live next door to and have a beer with and brady feels like that like if you've seen uh, christmas vacation he's like todd he's he's like that that aloof neighbor across the street that you would never want to speak to so I never really know what Brady's doing. I just know that he's he's a big-time competitor, and as long as he feels like he can
2: compete and win championships, he's going to play. And so the Patriots will find a way to give him more time. I think Brady is done after 2019. I get his de- – wow. like he has this burning desire to play till 45. I get that. And I don't necessarily not believe him, but I don't think the Patriots are the Patriots this year. And if they have to – I don't think they're good enough to go on the road and beat a Kansas City or – beat the Chargers or beat someone in the AFC even though it's kind of wide open. And so if they do, I'm not counting them out this year, but if they do get bounced out early this year and then it's kind of more of the same next year where they become this power running team because they realize Brady's really almost ineffective at at times, particularly in the red zone, I think that'll kind of be the end of it. As much as he says he wants to play beyond that, but it feels like the beginning of the end.
1: We want to hear from you. Uh, Text us or tweet us. 601-879-4395. That's a Spire text line. Or tweet us. Uh, like Adam has, at Sports Talk Miss. Do you think Brady and Breeze are done after 2019? Let us know what you think, and uh, we'll read some of those responses as they come in later on. And real quickly, uh, a story that broke a couple of days ago was Saturday in Baton Rouge. Two LSU players, and the details at the time were very vague, were involved in a fatal shooting, Uh, one of them being running back Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Uh, It turns out that was, according to police, in self-defense. They were trying to sell something, an an electronic device, I think, uh, to somebody, and that person tried to rob them. And they defended themselves, and as of right now, they're still investigating, but as of right now, no arrests are anticipated, and the two players have been cleared, uh, because they were defending themselves from a burglar. So a a very uh, scary situation for two LSU football players, and um, we we'll at least have further details on that. More coming up at Sports Talk in the Renaissance Bank Studio. So woman that is proud. Sports Talk Mississippi on a Wednesday afternoon. Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, Brian Scott Rippy with you. I had a text from from Larry here, and he's asking. It's a question for both of you. Are Ole Miss and Mississippi State recruiting any top-ranked prospects for the upcoming February signing day? Before I let them answer, I will add this, Larry um there are very few top prospects air quotes that did not already sign their papers. So if you're looking for fireworks on the February signing day, you're not going to get fireworks. There are guys that are still out there that that can be signed, but all the heavy lifting needs to needed to have been done a couple weeks ago because this new signing day is icing on cake, I guess. It's it's certainly not what it used to be. And now I will leave the floor to you two guys. Uh, f- next signing day, February signing day. Do you expect Ole Miss and Mississippi State to make any kind of significant movement? Uh, for Mississippi State, the uh, you know obviously Nathan Pickering and Charles Moore
0: are still on the board uh, to be signed, but committed that, they, guys though. Committed guys, they expect them to, to to follow through and sign. If you're talking about guys that State could go after that aren't currently committed to Mississippi State. Two biggest targets are over there on the old Miss side of things, and that's they'd like to flip on Ely and Jonathan Mingo, uh, the running back out of Jackson Prep and the wide receiver out of Brandon, uh, respectively. I don't know what the, the options are going to be with that. With, with Ely as as Rippy, I'm sure we'll talk talk about it in a second. You know, the odds of him playing college football are long anyway. But those are probably the two top guys on MSU board MSU's board that you could see make a signing day move. And with Ely, you know, there's talk of him. He he may wait it out until after the MLB draft and not make a decision until late late in the end of the process, maybe even in the summer. Uh, where he's going to go up. But as far as any, you know, like like you said, uh, Borky, there, there's not a lot of guys that MSU's going to going after. I don't think State's going to make a move for Jaden Hazelwood or anything like that. So I'm asking you guys to, to
1: project a little bit because you're not in the kid's head. So it's speculation more than anything else. But is Mississippi State putting a lot of effort? I don't know how much effort they're putting in, but if they're trying to flip Ely, that means they're allocating some kind of resource to do so. Is yeah. it worth it? Because there's going to be a decision upcoming, and it has nothing to do with football. So do you exhaust resources and time and effort to flip a kid that may never show up to your campus anyway? Sure, why not? I mean, right now
0: he would just be a a, – honestly, you're signing him to sort of A, boost your recruiting ranking, and B, to needle Ole Miss. I mean, you've already got one running back signed. You've got another one committed that you expect to sign – on uh, on signing day in February. Ely's more talented than either one of those guys. And if if he decides to make the uh the move to play college football, well then that's great. You've got a great player on your hands. So it it's definitely worth the, the time investment
2: to do so I think. Yeah for Ole Miss is just trying to keep Ely and Mingo and then they're gonna target some specific needs. I think they're gonna go try to get a JUCO linebacker to come in and compete with some of these some of these younger guys they have, and probably add you, one you or think two more. Maybe
1: they'll go to Memphis at some point.
2: <laughs> I have the joke, but I was—I'm just going to save it. I'm, I'm not going to say it. But no, I—I I mean, maybe. And they're going to try to add a piece or two on the defensive line. But no, I don't. I wouldn't expect anything earth shattering. It's a matter of just kind of keeping Ely and Mingo, and the kid out of New Orleans, the offensive, the guard, and so. Yeah, I think it's more just kind of fine-tuning and adding some specific pieces. I don't think it will be anything anything big. I mean, I guess keeping Ely and, and signing him, whether he actually comes or not, is, is, is a big deal at this point for Ole Miss. Kind of same with Mingo.
1: I want at some point, and I don't know when the appropriate time to do this is, because they're still focusing on recruiting. So it may have to be something, maybe we even ask at SEC media days. But I would like to know, this is what, the second or third year of early signing period? Just the second year, right? Second year, yeah. Yeah. I would yeah. like to ask the coaches, and you may not even get an unfiltered answer, if now that you've seen it in practice, you like the direction it's gone.
2: From people I talk to, I mean, I'm sure there's differing opinions out there, but it, the consensus opinion I get from talking to people is that, yes, is because it cuts out a lot of the work from the last couple months where you're trying to save these kids from flipping in February, right? Like anything that gets them signed sooner and gets more of them to campus sooner, I think they enjoy it. Yeah. Talking hey. to
0: Joe Moorhead last week, if you listen to that interview, he said that he is a fan of the uh, of the early signing period. He he thinks it's 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 put into practice well and he, he likes it. It seems like it creates less
2: stress for them.
1: And yeah. it helps maybe this is overblown. I, I've just seen it limited in practice. It helps schools like Ole Miss and Mississippi State, who generally are not signing the number one class in the country. So when these schools like Georgia Alabama, even though this year's an outlier for Ole Miss, are slow playing like a four-star wide receiver, for example, one is on Ole Miss's roster right now. They can't do that anymore Yeah, because the what? kid can say, I either have a spot or I'm going to sign with another SEC school. Right. Well, that, that, that is happening
0: with Mississippi State in, in this instance, though, uh, with cornerback DJ James, who was committed to Mississippi State throughout the year. Uh, and then in the last few weeks, uh, Alabama ramped up some interest and I think they gave him the whole, why don't you wait it out and we'll see what happens, you know, in February. And then he got a late Auburn offer. So he decided to push back his, he was going to sign, uh, last week and decided to push that back, uh, to February just to, just to make sure of what his all, all of his offers are, which is exactly what this period is sort of, you know, allowing you to do. You know, you you have that commitment. You, he could have signed with Mississippi State if he wanted to, but now that he has some other options, and, I, and and states willing to wait on him, so it's the best of both worlds for a player like that.
2: Not everybody has that option to wait, Correct. right? I mean, I guess technically you do, but if you're if you're not an elite level prospect, you probably want to go ahead and get the paper signed so to ensure you have a place, right? Because you see kids right. get squeezed out of scholarships all the time. So you're right. gambling you're... on yourself if you wait till February now. But James, right, but and somebody, a...
0: for for some players like James, who it's obvious Mississippi State would wait on him, it's fine. There are some players. You're right, Rippey, that they need to go ahead and put pen to paper because, you know, I think of a what was it, a couple years ago with Alabama. There was a kid. Uh, what was his name? I think it was Natrez Patrick was his name. No, that's not right. I can't remember his name though. But anyway, he uh he was set to sign with Alabama, and got the call from Nick Saban. I mean, he's, he's got the press conference going on. He's wearing the suit. The hats are on the table. And Saban basically tells him, I don't have room. And this kid was a top wow. 75 player in the country. And Saban, I just don't have room. What a and problem he, he, to have. He took a gray shirt at Alabama. Had offers from Florida, Florida State. I can't remember that kid's name. It's driving me crazy. And uh, decided he would just gray shirt
1: at Alabama. I mean, that tells you something right there, yeah. How were they able to pull that off? And Georgia and LSU's done it recently. How are they able to get? And because they are they are the elite of the elite. But they have
0: they have everything a college football player wants, and they feel like that's their best chance to go to the NFL. And so somebody's willing to pay for his way for an, for a semester for a chance to you know like you just talked about in the first segment generational money. You're betting on yourself.
2: Yeah, and it's it's interesting to me that the early signing period for like it seems more from a player standpoint it seems more beneficial for kids that are going to enroll in January but for the kids that enroll in May like that's an in, I don't know that's well, interesting like I, you would seem like you'd be if you're not going to graduate early you'd be more prone to waiting but there's also like we were just discussing other factors at play that go yeah. into that the gray shirt thing too it's just so
1: fascinating because if If you're a gray shirt at Alabama, you can get a full scholarship and and, probably play right away at most places. If you are a gray shirt, your prospects of playing at that place are are kind of grim to begin with. But I guess if you love where where you've chosen to go to school, you love where you've chosen to go to school. Um, The the gray shirts and the blue shirts, uh, I don't know if there's anything more than that. That's a really, I don't know how they pull all those strings. That's that
2: takes some special math to, to fit all that scholarship stuff together. Look, as a former benchwarmer, the ring still fits the same, man.
1: <laughs> Sadly, yeah. I didn't win any rings in high school, and it was probably not my fault because I was with you. I didn't play very much either. Um, flipping the page to Mississippi State, we'll get into this more also in the next segment as well. Real quick, hey Dad, when does the team leave? For Florida, they should, uh, if, if they haven't left already, they're they're packing up and going. They were they were leaving on the twenty sixth. They were leaving today. And then, kind of off subject, but not really. These are always fun. Do you have any idea what their bowl gifts are?
0: <sighs> I don't know specifically. They haven't. You know, the I haven't seen a, a column. There's always a, a yearly column of what uh, to expect. You know, I don't know if you saw today. There was a I- very interesting uh, article today. About the chairman of the uh, the Outback Bowl And uh, how he is one of the I think he may be the most highly paid Bowl executive And this is all he does He runs this one football game He makes a million dollars a year um, So I thought that was sort of interesting But, but
1: there's not enough money uh, To uh, give that, the we're, players we're, a little bit more
0: we're, we're getting we're getting way Way down the, uh, hey, the rabbit if, hole If a bowl
1: executive is making a million bucks You should at least increase What the
2: players get by a little bit as far as their bowl gifts. Give them, like, two fossil watches instead of just one. I read that right. story, and there seemed like some actual reasons why he makes that much money. But it seemed he's really like good whoever, at what he does. Yeah, but it seemed like whoever did the story was really displeased with the fact that the guy was making that much money, even though there were yeah. some... Decent reasons for it. I don't know. You think there was a little well, he's, bit of he's agenda worked there? for there? Thirty years for one thing.
0: I mean, he's just gotten raises. You know. I mean, if I work, if I work for Super Talk in third for thirty years, I mean, I expect to
1: make more money than I'm making right now.
2: <laughs> it's a sweet gig if you can get it. Yeah. More Mississippi State
1: bull prep next. We will do winners and losers at the top of next hour. Some Saints and uh, Steelers recap. A lot coming your way. It's Sports Talk. Borky and the Bryan's here in the Renaissance Bank Studio. the 662 text in and said, time for a name change for the show, the Killer Bees. Sorry, Richard. You're out, Richard. i will be back at some point. For now, you do have me, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, and Brian Scott Rippy with you. It's really good to be here on Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming live at supertalk.fm. Haydad, what do you know about Iowa football? Uh, they are a throwback kind of team.
0: They run the football. Uh, they, they they run a lot of power. Uh, they are an I formation, two back set, two wide, very pro style in their offense. Defensively, they are very 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 good. Uh, very physical defense, similar to Mississippi State. And they have a lot of depth on their defensive line. Uh, they're they're a little weak in the secondary, but unfortunately Mississippi State is not really a team that you know is poised to take advantage of that. So uh, they're they're a good football team. Um, but that said, uh, you know if you if you're wanting to look too far ahead. MSU's defense is still MSU's defense, so it's it's going to be. I think it's going to be a low-scoring game and a uh, a game that's going to be very very physical. If you like old-school three yards and a cloud of dust kind of football, this might be the game for you on on a New Year's Day.
1: A, a Mississippi State fan watching the Saints game at the the bar on Sunday um, somehow found out who I was and started asking me about this game. And I said, I don't know much about Iowa, but I have watched them a few times this year, and I think it's fair to say that they have not faced a collection of athletes like they will in this game. Is that fair? That's probably very fair. Uh, I don't know if they played Ohio
0: State off the top of my head. They did not. They did go to
1: Penn State and lose, and they also lost to Wisconsin. But I would argue that neither Penn State nor Wisconsin have, especially the defensive line, but the entire defense that State has. Yeah, this will be the best.
0: I mean, at the end of the day – Everybody at MSU faced this year faced the best defense they faced all year, in yeah. my opinion. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, this will be the best defense that Iowa faces. And, you know, I mean, I, I don't see anything looking at Iowa that makes me think they're the defense that's going to crack 28 points on Mississippi State.
1: Yeah, you know, I mean, the, 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 the Iowa could Say give them 12 a game, that's probably where we are. Iowa couldn't crack 11 points against Northwestern, so. Yeah, so that's all you do that. <laughs> like so, I said, it just depends, you know,
0: it depends on MSU more than anything else because, you know, against good defenses this year, defenses this year, Joe Moorhead's offense has struggled. So we'll see what happens uh, against a good Iowa defense. You know, you have to hope that the SEC uh, theory is correct and the State just has better athletes and can just you know be better than Iowa uh, offensively. But on the other side of the ball, yeah, I, I definitely see State containing this Hawkeye offense. What's the over under on that game? Well, Rippy's our unofficial uh guy, right? what's the what's the deal? What is it? Uh let's see. Not Rippy, I'm sorry, Borky.
1: I cannot find it. It is 40. Oh, it's because I'm looking before the playoff uh forty three and a half. Forty three and a half. Forty three and a half state, by the way, for whatever it's worth to you, a seven point favorite in the game.
0: So if I told you that I mean I could tell you state won twenty four to ten and you'd believe that, right? Absolutely. So yeah, I would I would I would steer towards the under on this one. Or like twenty to ten. Like you know, like twenty to seven yeah. or
2: something like that. Yeah. yeah.
0: I mean if State even won seventeen to seven, I would I would buy it. You know? I mean state's offense this year, you you look at their four losses, which were the four best defenses they played. They scored seven, six, zero, and three. I mean, those are the four best defenses they played. And Iowa's defense from a statistical standpoint. Is closer to those defenses than it is to to Arkansas and Ole Miss, who they you know they ran up and down the field on. So we'll see. I, I don't see. I think State's going to get around you know twenty points or so, but I definitely have trouble seeing our, uh, seeing Iowa get more than than fourteen.
1: So yeah, the under seems like a pretty safe play here. And there's no fear of anybody sitting out, right? Those decisions have already right. been made. Jeffrey Simmons, Montez Sweat are both going to be playing in the game, and there's no fear of anybody else.
0: The whole team's getting on the plane and planning to play. Uh, not only are there, there are no decisions for the NFL, but you know this time, time of year, this is where sometimes like academics will catch a player or two. The entire team is eligible to play. So everybody that played in the Egg Bowl, was on the sideline for that, is, is headed to Tampa ready to play in this football game.
1: Speaking of getting on a plane, what kind of crowd do you expect from Mississippi State fans going? At least it's a different part of Florida. Yeah, different venue and uh, you know a different bowl
0: game for sure. Uh, I've heard this, the ticket sales have been pretty good. Uh, you know it's difficult to track that kind of stuff because the university doesn't ever give you a a real number. And so many people are buying on the secondary market. You know, you, you could spend eighty dollars with the university or you could spend you know twenty bucks on StubHub or SeatGeek and and sit in the fifty yard line and have have a much better seat. The university's been very proactive this year. They're offering a package where. If you buy your tickets through them, you get one of those really cool Egg Bowl lapel pins that you might have seen at the uh, Connerly Trophy, Borky. Uh, yes, you get sir. A, they're, having, they're having a dinner with Coach Moorhead and a full facilities tour of, available if you buy your tickets through the university. So so good for them. They're trying to do what they can to move tickets. I think it'll be a good MSU crowd. You know, N- Nothing nothing overwhelming like the Liberty Bowl was a few years ago, but
1: there'll be a lot of maroon in Tampa. Yeah, they've got to combat the secondary market. because uh, bull- big time. Hey, you see where the... the- fans' ticket allotment is in the bowl stadiums, and if the stadium's not completely full, the scatter of everybody else is where they got it on the secondary market. So there's a clear discrepancy. they got to fight it somehow, I guess. Winners and losers coming up next. We're rolling along on a Wednesday. It's Sports Talk Mississippi. Michael Borky and the Bryans with you this afternoon. You can text us, 601-879-4395. Be a part of the show that way. Back after this. We usually do this on a Monday, but since Monday was Christmas Eve, we will do it our first day back. It's Wednesday, it's just after four o'clock. That means it's time for winners and losers.
2: All I, all I, all I, all I do is-
0: We got winners. We got losers. Americans love a winner and will not tolerate a loser. Winner never win. And a winner never quit. Win. All
1: right, we'll go snake draft style because I don't like the way Richard and I do it. I guess I probably could change that, but... Nevertheless, we'll do this now, and I will start with the New Orleans Saints. They clinched home field all throughout the playoffs. They beat the Steelers. Yes, there were some controversial calls down the stretch, but the ability to win that game in the manner in which they won that game tells me the offensive struggles from a few weeks ago are no longer of any concern. They get to basically sit everybody they want to this weekend, cruise through a couple of free bye weeks before they host the next couple of playoff games, the Saints, first of all, for the year that they've had, but winning that game in the fashion in which they did against a really good and determined and pretty desperate Steelers team was a big statement made at the end of the season. Hosting in the Dome throughout the playoffs, the Saints are big winners this weekend. Nobody's
2: beating them down there. Tend
0: don't, to don't, agree. Don't, 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 don't do that. Don't, don't do that. Don't 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 you jinx it. Don't you put that, that evil on me, Brian Rippey. Don't do that. My winner. And I'm gonna go uh <laughs> I'll stay in the NFL. Dak Prescott and the Dallas Cowboys are headed back to the playoffs, NFC East champions. Uh, for the second time in his young career, they beat Tampa Bay 27 20. He had a pretty strong game. Up and down year for him, obviously, but the main thing is the main thing, and he's going back to the playoffs where. Uh, if he's able to uh, win in the wild card round, he will have a date probably with
2: Drew Brees and the New Orleans Saints. I'm going to go to the Cincinnati Reds this bright, late late Friday afternoon. They finally, it's kind of a fan base that has been waiting for them to get out of a rebuild and kind of do something aggressive. And they traded for Yasiel Puig, Matt Kemp, Alex Wood, and added Kyle Farmer, while simultaneously adding $7 million in cash, dumping the $28 million owed to Homer Bailey and only giving up one top 10 prospect in their farm system. So pretty good day. The That's
1: Cleveland awesome. Browns, they are 500. The Cleveland Browns on December 26, 2018 have a 500 record. It's a fun story. Baker Mayfield, the the guy that most NFL people doubted the most and the the draft pick was mocked by some even he has no business in the NFL he's too short he's too cocky he's Johnny Manziel 2.0 and maybe he still does some some things that he shouldn't like stop staring down your former coach Hugh Jackson he was fired he didn't go spurn you to take another job if he would just cut that kind of stuff out he'd be perfect as a rookie quarterback he still pretty much is The Browns are fun. They play really good and nasty defense. Baker Mayfield's a great story, and he's got drama and and all of that stuff. I love the Browns. They're going to miss the playoffs probably. I think they're mathematically eliminated now even despite the win. They are. They are. But they're fun, and I hope this continues into next season. It's not a flash in the pan because for some reason, the Browns are fun to root for for me. They've got an ugly color scheme. They've got ugly uniforms. They're in a city where like, the sun comes up maybe a dozen times a year. I love the Browns. I love the story. They're winners again.
0: I'm going to go to college basketball. I'm going to go to Arizona State knocking off uh, then number 1 Kansas on Saturday night. Arizona State uh, is playing pretty well this year. They have, they've lost a couple of games. They had a bad loss to Vandy before that. But their only other loss is to a top-10 Nevada team. And uh, by proxy, a winner in that is Mississippi State, whose strength of schedule just went up a little bit with uh, that win because Arizona State is their one loss on the season. As we uh, when we wrapped up coverage of uh, Mississippi State versus Wright State there in Jackson on Saturday, Ben Hallen was openly rooting for Arizona State to win that game. Uh, they delivered for him, so the Sun Devils were one of my winners this weekend.
2: I'm going to go Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens. They go on the road and beat a really good Chargers team, and they are now in the driver's seat to win the AFC North. I don't know if this stuff is sustainable. Like, I've seen people compare it to Tebow. I think he's a much better and advanced passer than Tebow. And when Tebow went on this run, I know he won a playoff game, but they didn't really, unless I'm misremembering, they didn't really go on the road in the regular season and beat really good teams like this. They kind of got lucky with the streak on their schedule and playing some mediocre teams into the playoffs. So my winner is the Baltimore Ravens and Lamar Jackson, who are probably going to win the AFC North if they can take care of the Browns at home this weekend.
1: A guy named Tyler Conway is my third winner. He's an NBA writer for Bleacher Report. He shared a video on Twitter that has made me laugh for like five consecutive days. It's a picture, or a picture, it's a video of two cats. And you know how cats are. They're always like hitting each other and fighting each other. There's one that is sitting up on its back legs with its arms out. And another one just reaches his arm out and barely taps the cat on his back legs. And the cat falls over. And the caption is, James Harden drawing a foul. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. It's perfect. That's a winner. I'm still laughing at it. It was tweeted on December 20th, and it's making me laugh again. So that's my third winner. For me, how can I not choose the Los Angeles Lakers? Even with LeBron getting hurt, it doesn't
0: look like it's going to be serious. That w- that felt like a little bit of a statement. To go to Golden State on Christmas Day and absolutely dominate the champs like that, That was that's a big win for that team. So many young players, they needed that confidence boost like we were talking about. Plus, you know, I'm a Lakers fan, so it looks like the the chips are falling into place with some other players coming in free agency or a trade to maybe make another uh, long, extended run at the top for the L.A. Lakers.
2: I'm going to go not to throw shade at Hey Dad because they had their day a couple days later, but I'm going to go Jaron Jackson. He scored 27 points in the Staples Center on Sunday night, hit a late three in LeBron's eye, had his dad watching, rookie that was way far advanced, way further advanced offensively than I think they thought when they drafted him. Had to be a pretty cool moment having your dad there and beat LeBron and the Lakers in the Staples Center.
1: Turning the page to losers, an NBA loser, the New Orleans Pelicans. There's been a lot of noise about Anthony Davis doesn't belong in a market like New Orleans, and I feel bad for the fans of the team because all they hear about their team is why they don't deserve a star, but then the team plays like they have over the last two weeks and it leads credence to that. They've battled injuries. They're, they're still without their point guard. They're still without one of their starting bigs. I mean, Julius Randle, who's been excellent, is still dealing with an injury. They've missed one of their wings. So, yes, they've been injury depleted, but they are the worst team in the NBA in clutch rating, meaning in close games, they are the worst team in the NBA in winning close games as opposed to a year ago where they were the best team in the NBA First to worst in winning close games. If they want to keep Anthony Davis and make him want to sign that supermax, they can't play like this. And so right now they are losing the narrative and therefore they are losers. Uh, I'm gonna go with
0: the opposite of your first winner in the Pittsburgh Steelers. That's I mean, they're basically out of the playoffs. It would take a, a miracle finish for them to get in. Uh, that's a much better team than should be missing the playoffs. They had some some just some bad plays this year. The loss to Oakland is a killer, and then the decision to fake punt. I just, I, I, you had a lot of momentum at that point. You really done a good job stifling the Saints' offense, and you're going to give Drew Brees a short field, the chance to win the game. This doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. So the uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers are my one of my losers.
2: Oh, hey, Dad stole that one from me. So now I'm scrambling D'Avery. a little
1: bit. Thievery. I'll give you my last one while you're doing that. I'm always reminded. I got one more too. Well, yeah. we'll get we'll get into this game here in about five minutes from right now. But every time Alvin Kamara does something good on a football field. <laughs> I don't <need> <laughs> I'm reminded that Butch Jones didn't think he was good enough to play in the SEC. Uh. So Butch Jones, you are a loser because that is inexcusable. I, I have a feeling he was on Nick Saban's staff. Like he would speak up in a meeting, and Nick would lean to the guy next to him. Okay, right the opposite of that. Yeah. I got to think Kamara could play. So Butch Jones ever a loser
2: for not playing Alvin Kamara in the SEC. You good, Rippy, or should yeah, I go? No, I'll go. I, I'm not sure how good this was. I'll go Jameis Winston. So I watched pretty much all of that uh, Bucks cowboys game on Sunday, and – I think it's reaching the point where doesn't it feel like Tampa Bay is going to have to move on from this guy? They may yes. end up giving him another year, maybe, but he shows flashes. Like, if you ever watch the Bucks, They're the most frustrating team in the NFL because they do move the ball really well in stretches, but he just makes mistakes that you can't make. He let the play clock go down to zero on fourth and one twice in one of the most crucial drives of the game. So I think Jameis Winston is probably done in Tampa, and he is my loser. Any anything that portrays him as a loser, I'm gonna get behind.
0: <laughs> Real quick, I guess my last loser. Okay, I got time. All right. Uh one last one here. First ever Premier League one probably here, but Manchester City. They were undefeated three weeks ago, and people were talking about this could be the best team of all time in, in soccer. Said now they've lost three of their last four four, including a loss today
2: on Boxing Day to Leicester City two to one. The champions are reeling, and I love it. I'll go real quick. Cincinnati Bengals fans, the report came out that uh, Marvin Lewis will kind of dictate the terms of his own exit. Does that mean he's back next year? That seems impossible, but maybe so. That's it for winners and losers. We will get into Saints
1: and Steelers next at Sports Talk Live in the Renaissance Bank Studio. Real quick before we get into the Saints-Steelers game and all of the NFL action from the weekend, our buddy Greg Nettleton asks you, hey, Dad, Says the state men talking about basketball look rough in Jackson. One night this way, one night the next. He thinks they're a couple of years away. What do you think?
0: Well, if they're a couple of years away, what what are you doing with Ben Hallen? It doesn't take six years to turn a program around. No, this team is good. They're, 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 not, they're not the nineteen, you know, ninety-one Duke team that's just gonna, you know, murder everybody they play. They're gonna have some some off nights, but that said. I don't don't have a whole lot of concerns about this team. If they're a couple years—I mean, you say they're a couple years away, then you're talking about they're relying on players who are still in high school because this team is very, very, very—you know—upper class heavy. I mean, Quintero, Weatherspin and Eric Coleman gone after this year. Lamar Peters probably a good chance that he's going to be gone after this year. So, you know, yeah, this team isn't isn't a couple years away. This is a team for this year, and they're going to they're going to be fine. They're going to be fine. I think that was just a blip on the radar.
1: Yeah, and I said a few weeks ago, so it bears repeating, in in college basketball especially, but in basketball, you are, as frustrating as it may be, you're not going to get A effort or A game every night. It's just not going to happen. You're not going to get B effort or B game every night. There there are just times where winning is enough, as long as what you saw against a much lesser opponent, even though it was a win, as long as that's not something that happens every time they touch the floor, I wouldn't worry about it. Yeah, I mean you're playing. you
0: basically a road game. I mean you're playing in a dump arena that nobody wants to be in two days before Christmas. I mean it's just it was just everything was was the, the the recipe was right for a for a letdown kind of game. You're playing at a high level these past few games, playing against teams that you might see again in March, and then you you play a stinker. I mean it, it happens. Don't slander the Coliseum. <laughs> it's slandered, my friend. Consider it slandered.
1: Uh, all right, back to the NFL. The I wouldn't call it a big game because they would have probably won this Sunday against the Panthers' third-string quarterback. Who is is it? Austin Allen? It's one of the Allen brothers. Kyle, it's Allen. Kyle Allen. Allen.
2: It's Kyle Allen from Texas A&M. Yeah. Uh, history. Never really. He was a really big recruit, right? He just never put it together. Five star. In school. Yeah. 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 Big, they big had time. they had
0: him, and backing him up was Kyler Murray, and they didn't get a, a, a single meaningful down hardly out of either one of them. <laughs>
1: So, I mean, that's who the Saints are playing this Sunday, a depleted Panthers team. So they were probably going to lock up home field regardless, but it's nice to do so a week early. The Saints beat the Steelers 31-28 to in one of the more entertaining games that you can watch all season long. It was two high-powered offenses doing what high-powered offenses do, two good quarterbacks that were locked in, a bunch of really good wide receivers. Throw in a couple of controversial flags, a really bad fake punt call where the guy that didn't get the first down celebrated like he got the first down. Just a really fun game on Sunday.
0: For, yeah, especially for the neutral, you
1: know, yeah. for those of us who had the emotional attachment,
0: it, it may not have been as fun. But yeah, it, it was a fun game. And it, it was one that, you know, I thought the Saints were going to win, and then I thought the Saints were going to lose, and then I thought they were going to win again. And then the funny part of it to me is Michael Thomas's game winning touchdown. Has there ever been a touchdown that the home fans, you know, the team that scored didn't want to score as badly as they? Did? I wanted that to be down at the one. I was like, oh my gosh, they'll run off another 40. Best case scenario, they score on fourth and goal, and they leave no time Because they were
1: out of timeouts, right? The Steelers. Right, won. right. You're just
0: like, hey, Breeze is going to go over the top. The Saints are going to score, but God. But, you know, you end up having to have the drama of of Ben Roethlisberger, who, you know, that guy's good in those late-game situations, and if they don't get that fumble, they're probably going to at least have a field goal to tie the game. So, very exciting game, and the kind of win the Saints really, really needed. they They needed to have a, a – I don't know if it's a bounce-back game or not, but they just had not looked like themselves the past few weeks. They looked like the Saints – on 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 Sunday, and the most important thing, like we we've, we've said, they're not leaving that
2: dome again until they're either eliminated or
0: they head to Atlanta for the Super Bowl.
2: From someone that didn't really have a dog in the fight, my two biggest takeaways from that game were one, I don't think anyone's going into New Orleans in the playoffs and beating the Saints. I think it would it would take the Saints really really shooting themselves in the foot for that to happen. And two, man, Big Ben and Antonio Brown and really that offense when they get clicking are almost unstoppable, right? I mean, there was a point in that second half where it didn't look like the Saints— I mean, they didn't have an answer for them. And the 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 weird part about it all is that it feels like over Big Ben's career, they've almost squandered the t- amount of talent they've had on that offense. I think I don't know where else you put that blame other than Mike Tomlin. That as, as good as they've been and consistently as good as they've been, they feel like, to me, they've underachieved in that era. And I think the blame has to go on Mike Tomlin because there's no reason that team should be on the verge of missing the playoffs. Well, I mean, it's the NFL. So I mean, if the when your team misses the playoffs, the head coach and the quarterback are the
0: first two you look at. I don't think it's been Big Ben's fault, like you said. Offensively, they've been very, very good this year. And obviously, missing Le'Veon Bell hurts some, but they got equal production from him, for him out of James Conner this year. So yeah, I mean, the Steelers fans that I know up here in Starville, and there's a few of them on the beat, and there's one sitting as the head coach. Uh, at Mississippi State. I think they would all tell you that, that the blame should definitely be laid at the, at the feet of the head coach. As Coach Moorhead would say, point the thumb, not the finger.
2: And their their season didn't go by the wayside there. Their season went by the wayside by losing to Denver and Oakland. Yes.
1: You can't Excusable It's losses. unbelievable.
2: Yeah, with that much talent.
1: And I had somebody ask me – well, I didn't ask. They just said the problems in the secondary for the Saints are back. He called it fool's gold is what a buddy of mine texted me. And I said – Step off the ledge for a second. That was a Steelers team that was desperate. Their playoff lives were on the line. They're, they're going to miss the playoffs more likely than not, I think, this week. We'll look at the scenarios here in a few minutes. But that was a Super Bowl-winning quarterback who played his best game of the year, who was on with their backs against the wall, and two wide receivers that not a single defense in the NFL can cover. Yeah, they gave up a bunch of yards, 380 to, to be exact, and three touchdowns. But find me a secondary in the NFL that when Big Ben is on, and their offensive line is, is pretty good there at Pittsburgh, can stop that passing attack with those two wide receivers. Find me one defense, you can't do it.
2: I feel like you Eli right? Apple is kind of the X factor. I don't know a ton about the Saints, but in terms of the secondary, he seems like a very frustrating player because he has those episodes like that where he, what he fall down on that touchdown or yes, deep game, yep. and then made a couple big plays after that. And it seems like a guy that's never completely gotten it together.
0: But I mean, they brought him in mid season, and he's had he's had some big plays. He had a big play against Carolina. Uh, you know, he, he he's had some times where he stepped up. He's made that defense better because the first few weeks of the season they were not good. And they they've slowly but surely gotten better every week. To now, they might be the best defense in the NFL. I saw an article that from a statistical standpoint, they're getting more sacks this year than the Dome Patrol ever did. I mean, that is, I can't give you any higher praise for a Saints defense than that. So you know, this this is a real this is the best team in the NFL. And There's part no of that, that,
1: what you're talking about, is because the secondary is better.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, early in the season, they were giving up big chunks out there in the secondary. They've, they've figured everything out. You know, PJ Williams has played better. Marcus Williams has played really well this year. Kirk Coleman had a big play on, on Saturday. That, that's the other thing too. They've just had some games where one guy has made a big play and that's been the difference. And,
2: and, you know, that's what good defenses do. They find different guys that step up every week. If I were a Saints fan, the one team I would be worried about coming in there, and I'm not saying it's likely, but Russell Wilson, with the way the Seahawks are playing, I feel like he could go yeah. out of his mind for a day and somehow pull out a win there. That would be the one team in the NFC I'm worried about. I don't really believe in the Bears, even though their defense is pretty good. I think Trubisky will make a couple fatal mistakes, but I would be kind of worried about the Seahawks. That would be kind of my one yeah. team.
0: Because you worry about veteran quarterbacks, and you look at, you know, this is going to be Goff's, you know, his second go round in the playoffs, but he's only played in one game. This will be Trubisky's first time. Dax only played in one game. But Russell Wilson has a Super Bowl, and he's been to another one, and he's not going to be phased by anything. So, yeah, you're, you're exactly right. If there's a team to fear in the NFC, and they're hot right now,
2: and they're playing really good. So, that, throws, that's, that's, a, that's a good call, Ruby. The throws he was making on Sunday Night Football was were stupid. unreal. Yeah. I mean, he's good. He's good.
1: We're almost out of time here, so this will have to carry over. But I think it's time we talk about Taysom Hill. Okay, it's gone too far. (laughs) (laughs) It's like a bright, shiny
0: toy, and it's fun to play with. And now you're just trying to find new ways. You want to keep the uh, the the excitement of it going, you know? Like, all right, what if I, you know, I've got this great remote control car. All right, now I'm going to jump
2: it off of a building. I'm going to take it off a building and see how it's it will survive the crash. Him jumping off a building is letting him throw deep balls, right? That makes exactly. no sense. I exactly. Mean, how makes no how
1: sense. dare I question Sean Payton, but you have footballs, the sport of football's most accurate deep ball passer in the history of the sport of football, and you let his backup quarterback from BYU, who can't throw the football very well, throwing deep <laughs> passes. I will it's never just, understand that line of thinking, no matter how much smarter than me Sean Payton is. Just for the un, record. Until the not game is in hand, more. it's 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 Mike Thomas,
0: Kamara, Ingram, and then it's repeat. Yes. It's it's everybody else is like, oh, okay, I don't have any other choice but to throw it to him. Sure. And as far as yeah,
1: Breeze Breeze should be throwing the football there. That almost cost them the game. Yeah. I know it was early, but in one of those one possession, you've got to score. You feel like you have to score every time you get the ball. Sean, you're a brilliant offensive mind. Let your Hall of Fame quarterback throw the football and nobody else. Please. For my sanity. <laughs> it's going to be okay, Ricky. Morky. Whatever. What of us. More coming up. Sports talk in the Renaissance Bank Studio. We can probably all agree that in some capacity, one way or the other, an MVP award, a Heisman Trophy, whatever is the meaningless award, has little impact on anything. I mean, in the NBA, the MVP never goes to the MVP. James Harden and Russell Westbrook have won MVPs over LeBron James when he was in Cleveland. LeBron James, as long as he's playing at the level that he is, will forever be the most valuable player in the NBA. Giving it to somebody else is just disingenuous or trying to be cute. The award, the MVP award, often doesn't go to the right person, and it's generally pretty obsolete. However, there is a debate between Drew Brees and Patrick Mahomes. You could probably make a better argument for Andrew Luck than the two of them considering what their team would be without Andrew Luck. But the point is, the MVP in the NFL is going to come down to either Drew Brees or Patrick Mahomes. Some numbers for you, objective numbers. I won't interject my opinion. Just numbers that tell you why Drew Brees is the NFL MVP this year. Drew Brees is 13-2. Patrick Mahomes is 11-4. No big deal. I get it. Drew Brees is 6-1 this year against winning teams. Patrick Mahomes is 3-4. Drew Brees has seven game-winning drives this season. Patrick Mahomes has two. Their passer ratings are basically equal. Drew Brees' is just a little bit better. Drew Brees completes 74.4% of his passes, which, if he continues on this path, will break his own NFL record for completion percentage. Patrick Mahomes completes 66.3. Drew Brees leads the NFL in quarterback rating, completion percentage, game-winning drives, and fourth-quarter comebacks. That is your MVP of the NFL. No opinion, no emotion. Those numbers equal league MVP, full-stop, end of story. No, he doesn't throw those cute little sidearm passes, or he hasn't put the no-look pass into his repertoire yet. But he's the 2018 NFL MVP. Drew Brees deserves the award for the numbers that are afforded to him and not a lifetime achievement award. Full stop. End of story. I mean, I don't disagree with you.
0: Uh, you know, he, he, the numbers are, are definitely there. You know, and I mean, here's the thing that I, I've always looked at with Brees, right? I mean, he's had some great talent around him at times. You know, Marcus Colston's a, a fantastic receiver. Jimmy Graham was very, very good. Uh, you know, but for the most part, he has spent his time in New Orleans making pedestrian-wide receivers look really, really good. You know, I mean, Lance Moore didn't do anything when he left New Orleans. Uh, Devery Henderson is not, you know, if I said name the top receiver in, in NFL history, Devery Henderson's name is way, way down the list. Uh, you know, you look at them right now. Obviously, Michael Thomas is very good, but Keith Kirk, Kirkwood, Kirkwood, and Tommy Lee Lewis and Traquan Smith these are not household names. And yet, Drew Brees keeps throwing them the ball and making big plays. And that means that it's Brees doing it. It's it's not those guys. He's he's not being carried by elite wide receivers.
2: In the same way that the NBA MVP is kind of disingenuous, it's just kind of the media and the fans kind of. Falling in love with, like, the new attractive thing. Because Patrick Mahomes is electric. Like, the way he plays football is, is unbelievably entertaining to watch. And so I think people let that blind them from actual production and value that somebody brings to a team. Because not that Mahomes hasn't enhanced the Chiefs, but they were a pretty good playoff team with Alex Smith running this offense last year. What are the Saints without Drew Brees? Exactly. They're not here. All right. Not here. I at mean, all.
0: The, the Chiefs were in the playoffs a season ago. I mean, Titans beat them
2: in Arrowhead. Yeah, just a reminder. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they could maybe do that again if they could only beat the Colts this weekend. The Titans did that and then proceeded to fire their coach. <laughs> That's right.
1: What did you think That's, about that?
2: Oh, it was one hundred percent the right call. The way they were using Mariota and the way that team played on a weekend week out basis was. On, it was actually one of the better decisions they've made. It's one of the better decisions John Robbins has made, and I didn't think they'd have the guts to do it, because that, that never happens in the NFL, right? Like Coaches that win a playoff game get an extension, not get fired. But it was 100% the right call. I think Vrabel's a pretty good coach. I'm just not sure if Mariota's the answer at this point. There's a, there's
0: a I have a friend who we, we believe in something, and we call it selling high, which is when it comes to coaching or, or a player, you got to move at the absolute peak. We we have the running joke that in twenty fourteen when state beat Auburn to go to number one, that's when you should have fired Mullen. You show you're serious about winning. You you sell high. So same thing there. Go to the playoffs. We didn't we didn't win the Super Bowl. Sell high. Get out while you get out while the stock's high.
1: Drew Brees, your NFL MVP. <laughs> Great no sell there, guys. It's okay. It's gonna be all right. I'll I'll recover. Richard and Wiggins says that we need to name a Super Talk MVP. I can tell you who it's not Richard Cross.
2: <laughs> oh.
1: <laughs> uh, I might get a text here in a few minutes. It's okay. He
2: can't fire me, right? We'll have to check the writing on that. Fine print.
1: <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll pull out my contract and see. I'm just kidding, of course. Five o'clock hour coming your way. Justin Herbert is staying in college. What does that mean for the NFL Draft? We'll dive into that next. at Sports Talk in the Renaissance Bank Studio.
0: A Super Talk Mississippi media production.